When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to uh, our review for this Unit 3 test. Um, so, a couple things real quick before we jump into it. Remember, this test, the review is pretty long because there's a, a lot of material. Uh, it's all, we covered it short because it's it's not a, a, there's not a lot of standards on each one of these things, but it is stuff you need to know. Uh, remember, the test is also from an older test uh, from like two, three years ago, I can't remember. Uh, and so there was like 40, 50 questions on that test, but because of pandemic stuff, we're only doing 25 questions. So this test is going to randomly assign questions to you. So you might not get a question on voter turnout, um, whereas your friend might. So just keep that in mind uh, when you get ready to take this thing. You need to prepare for all of it because you don't know what it's going to randomly assign. OK. All right. Let's uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's jump into this. So the voting rights stuff there, the first thing is the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And you have gotten this probably multiple times uh, at this point in your uh, schooling career from um, U.S. history to uh, now, obviously, you, know, you got it probably a few times in um, in U.S. history throughout your, your school. But um, anyways, it, it basically or is supposed to have prohibited racial discrimination in voting. Uh, it was really uh designed to to guarantee that you know the 14th and 15th amendment was going to be uh enforced and allow everyone the chance to vote it's also going to make it safer and um i don't say easier but the main thing is it's it supposed to be safer to, uh, to register to vote for african americans and uh, <clears throat> get people out to vote <clears throat> the 15th amendment was one of the civil war amendments it uh, is going to guarantee all african-american males are given the right to vote all right. Uh, 17th Amendment uh, is going to make it to where we actually get to directly elect our senators. Prior to this, remember, um, the state legislatures would pick our state senators. So you know, we kind of indirectly picked our senators, but we wanted direct uh, elections. And so that's going to open that up. 19th Amendment is going to give women the right to vote, uh, which opens up a whole new uh, set of the population. Uh, that's able to vote. I mean, this is all about extending political participation. How do we expand the opportunities to vote and all those sorts of things? Uh, the 24th Amendment is going to get rid of the poll tax, so you can't be forced to pay to vote anymore. And then finally, it's the 26th Amendment, which opens it up to 18 year olds. All right. Uh, don't know of any. <clears throat> I know there's talk of possibly potentially 16 year olds voting one day. I assume it had to be a, a 28th Amendment or, or whatever number we might be on at that time. But I don't know that it'll happen anytime soon. Okay, uh, I am not on board with 16-year-olds voting, uh, but that's just me personally. Uh, all right, voter turnout, <clears throat> uh, political efficacy. Remember, this is your belief that your vote matters, that you are going to affect policy, politics by going out and voting, and that your individual vote matters. Uh, if you have high political efficacy, then you're probably going to go vote. If you have low political efficacy, you're probably not going to go vote because what's the point, right? My vote's not going to matter. I'm not going to make a change. I'm not going to make a difference here. So let me just not even bother. 
response to a lack of voter turnout. Uh, so our numbers, you know, historically, we have pretty low turnout for, for elections. So states have done some different things to try and get people out to, to vote uh, for making it easier and quicker to register to vote. Um, you know, right now here in Gwinnett, it's pretty easy. You go to the website. Uh, and you can register to vote pretty quickly and easily. Voting, you know, we have early voting, so you can go, like, it was almost up to a month early this time. Uh, absentee balloting, you know, uh, where you just get a mail-in ballot and you throw that thing back in the mail, or we had drop boxes just go around, all right? Uh, they've made it to where motor, the Motor Voter Act, where you can register to vote when you register your vehicle. You know, there, there's all sorts of things they've done to try and make it easier to vote and try and increase voter participation. All right, uh, political parties, the nomination process. The key thing to remember here is that it has changed and it has taken power away from the political parties. In the past, and I, I told you about the 1860 uh, election and how Lincoln, and I told you this in class, so I'm not gonna go back over the whole, the whole thing of switching the votes and all that kind of stuff, but Lincoln showed up to the National Convention not really expecting to be the nominee, all right? Uh, as it was, though, after 30 votes, he became the nominee, but that was all done by the political party. All the Republicans and the delegates were at the National Convention there, and they decided eventually that Lincoln was going to be that choice. Eventually, though, we're going to get to a system where we, as citizens, and constituents get to pick the presidential nominee. So nowadays, uh, people declare they're going to run for the presidency, and they're going to run, you know, as a Democrat or Republican, uh, and they'll go through the primaries. So in 2024, uh, I don't foresee really there being a a Democratic primary unless something weird was to happen. You know, maybe if if something happened to Biden, and maybe Kamala Harris was the you know the new president for like a couple months. Potentially, maybe I could see possibly maybe primary, but I, even then, I don't think they would because she'd, she'd still be the vice president, assuming the presidency. Uh, anyways, that's neither here nor there. So they will, the Republicans, though, will put their names out there. And then in each state, they'll campaign and try and get uh, votes in those states. And it's going to be, you know, if you win a certain percentage, you get a certain percentage of the delegates. Those delegates will then vote at the National Convention in uh, August of 2024. That's weird to think about, but we're so close to 2024. I mean, I know we're still a good ways away, but it's right around the corner. Uh, anyways, though, we'll know going into the into the convention, though, this is going to be the, the Republican nominee, just like we knew going into the Democratic nomination uh, or the Democratic convention this past summer. We knew that Biden was going to be the nomination because the people had picked and he had won the delegates and we knew we were aware of the numbers. So the process of picking the president has really gone from the political parties to the people. Yes, the political parties still play a role in this, but it really has weakened their power because they don't get to handpick who their person is going to be anymore. They play a role. You know, they can prop up certain candidates and things like that. But at the end of the day, we get to make the choice. All right, the task of a political party. Remember, there's a couple of things you need to remember. Uh, they are going to run, the, obviously run the party, okay? Uh, come up with a party platform and things like that. Uh, we have changed, though, from really, hey, you know, I'm Chris Daniels, and I'm a Republican, or I'm a Democrat, and this is the platform that I'm going to run on to more, 
hey, the Republican platform, the Democrat platform's over there, but I'm Chris Daniels and I'm going to run on my platform. So we've kind of changed there. Uh, there still is a platform, though, for the parties. So there, you can go to the Republican site, you go to the Democratic site, you can see the, the national platform. Okay. Uh, they're going to campaign. <clears throat> you probably heard some commercials this past go around in 2020, you know, paid for by the Republican Party, paid for by the Democratic Party. Uh, they will assist with your campaign management, raising money, raising funds. Uh, remember, the, the parties can take more money than the candidates can from 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 individuals and businesses and, and interest groups and things like that. Uh, candidate recruitment. They are constantly looking for people to be politicians. All right. Um, you know, they're not coming to the, the schools here and recruiting you or me or anything like that. Uh, but people that are involved in the parties, you know, that are, are either working or working as volunteers or whatever it might be that they see potential in, they might say, hey, you should consider running. All right. Uh, and they're they're constantly watching the races, too. We didn't really talk about this in class. And we might talk about it a little more when we get to Congress. In fact, we, I know we will. But one of the things they do is they watch and they look to see where are the weak incumbents at. So people, you know, let's say, you know, there's a Republican. Like, you know, when it here, uh, we had Rob Woodall as our congressman. All right. But he had barely hung on to win in 2018. And so uh, I think the Democrats had a pretty good idea that had he run again, they had the potential to beat him. So they were going to put a strong candidate up against Rob Woodall. OK, now, in some places where, uh, you know, there's been a strong Democrat forever, let's say uh, Nancy Pelosi's. All right, she's been. Uh, the representative from uh, her San Francisco district for a while. Republicans, Republicans aren't going to waste much time there putting a strong candidate against them only to lose because it's a Democratic stronghold, if that makes sense to you. So, but they're looking, they're watching these races, they're seeing where is their potential, where can we take a seat, where is there a weak Republican, where is there a weak Democrat um, that we can potentially come in and sneak a seat from, all right? So that's the kind of stuff they're looking for and researching. Democrats versus Republicans, uh, you know, this is that uh, liberal versus conservative stuff that we went, went over. Democrats are going to want larger government, remember, and uh, when it comes to businesses and corporations and, and more regulations and taxes and things like that there, uh, more government involvement and then less government involvement in our individual decision making at the social level. And then Republicans are going to tend to be the opposite. OK, on the test, I'm pretty sure it's one of those chart questions where here's the Democrats, here's the Republicans, and you have to pick out the one that's correct. Uh, James Madison and Fed 10. So we, this is kind of going back. I, I'm pretty sure there's a, a quotation or a passage from Fed 10. Remember, Fed 10 was about factions uh, and Madison's uh, belief and how to uh, take care of them. All right. And it was to let them happen. And they'll kind of sort themselves out. They'll police themselves. The voting types, uh, split ticket, party line uh, and those sorts of things. So you know, just remember that. Um, Split ticket. This means that you are willing to go out and you will vote Republican here. You'll vote Democrat there. Uh, just whatever you feel. OK, you'll 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 vote uh, one way or the other. It doesn't really matter to you. OK. Uh, and then the party line. Well, hey, I'm going to vote Republican no matter what. Uh, all I have to do is see an R by their name and I'm going to vote for or I'll have to see a D by their name and I'm going to go vote for them. So that is uh, what that party line is. And a lot of people do that. Okay. A lot of people are going to vote 
they vote by the parties. They don't take the time to really take a look and decide, hey, you know, who's going to be the best for me? It's just whatever that, that party is. All right, political changes, our political parties change and adapt, changes to presidential campaigns. The biggest thing, and it goes back to that nomination process, and it's that uh, we've gone from the party being the center of a campaign, you know, the Republican, the Democrat, to they're in the background. Um, it's more about the candidate themselves, the candidate as an individual, the candidate as a person, the candidate and their platform. And then the Republican and Democratic parties are just in the background. They're just the backdrop. All right. And this this has started to happen uh, a while back. And it, it, it's a couple of things, you know, the, the way we pick our president now, the citizens play a role. Obviously, that's going to be a huge thing. The way the media covers um, the, the, the primaries and, and those sorts of things, all that stuff is going to contribute to it being more centered around the, the actual politician or the person that's running versus the party. All right, third parties, the goals of a third party candidate and how is the system stacked? Well, the goals of a third party candidate, obviously, you know, you want to win, but we know that. Most people are going to think, hey, if I vote for that third party candidate, I'm just throwing my vote away. So what's the point? And you know, we looked at the numbers from this past election, the spending and, and things like that. And just third party candidates are just overwhelmed all right, with the spending. You know, we saw that Biden spent over a billion. Trump was over 750 million. And then you had Joe Jorgensen, the libertarian, at like three million. OK, there's there's no way to compete with those types of money. <clears throat> and that's you know one of the. The next thing is how is the system stacked against third-party candidates? They can't raise money. They, they find it difficult to raise money. Um, but what's the goal, okay, beyond winning? The main thing is to get their platform, okay, onto the national Republican Democratic platform, all right? So Ross Perot ran back in the 90s. Uh, he was uh, in 92 and then again in 96. And he didn't win, but he did win. Uh, he, he got actually quite a few popular votes. The main thing, though, was that he and his platform, mainly some of the stuff he had to do with taxes and spending and things like that, because that was kind of his go-to, uh, got onto the Democratic platform. Okay, so that was a success. And third-party candidates today, if they can get their platform addressed by the major parties, that's a success. All right. Um, and so as major parties take on things that the third parties are, are trying to, to get national attention to, that's a big deal for them. Uh, how is it stacked against them? <clears throat> well, we just said money's an issue. You know, they're not going to raise as much money as the Republicans and the Democrats are going to. The, 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 you know, for now, it's just not going to happen. We, we have the two major parties and that's it. Uh, the other problem, remember, is the winner-take-all system. Okay, the winner-take-all system. Uh, States and districts, except for Nebraska and Maine, are winner take all. If you get over 50%, you get the the, the electoral votes. Uh, and third party candidates just aren't going to pull that. Okay, it's been a long time since they pulled any significant number of uh, electoral votes. I think 68 or 72, can't remember which one, uh, was the last time anybody pulled any any states. You know, that wasn't a part of the Republican or Democrats. So we've had a few get some electoral votes here and there, but for the most part, they're not going to. And that's the, the big thing uh, is that they are. It, that's a huge barrier. OK. 
All right, interest groups. Amicus QA briefs, remember these are those letters to the court. So there's an issue that you feel strongly about, it's been challenged, and it's gone to the Supreme Court. You can write letters. The interest groups do this all the time. They have they have legal teams that will write letters uh, to the, the Supreme Court citing cases. Hey, you ruled this way in this case back in 1983. You did this in 1992. So, so, so they're going to send all this information to them. Um, and you know, the Supreme Court can take a look at it. Uh, to me, it's a window to the, the public. It gives them an idea of what, what some of the public's thinking because, you know, uh, obviously interest groups are going to write a lot of these, but anybody can write one. So it, you know, it helps with that because they're insulated. They are uh, not elected by us. They don't really have to care what we think. Political parties versus interest groups, they're kind of similar. All right. Both of them are like-minded people who are trying to, to do something within the government. Where they differ is that political parties are going to want to run the government. They are going to be concerned about every aspect of the government. They are going to be worried about um, the economy, domestic policy, forcing policy, social, everything. Okay. Whereas interest groups, they want to affect policy. Remember, they affect policy by working on congressmen. Remember, there's lobbying, there's electioneering, and then litigation. Okay. Uh, one of the biggest ways interest groups take part in politics is through congressmen and finding congressmen that have similar philosophies. Right? They don't try and go and change people from pro-gun to anti-gun so on and so forth. Okay, but they find congressmen who are like-minded, similar philosophies that are on committees that can affect legislation, and then they try and keep them elected so they can work on the legislation. Right. But that's the big difference. Political parties want to run the government. Interest groups just want to affect it. <clears throat> Lobbying, remember, this is something that interest groups do. And they will typically have lobbyists hired okay, uh, to go work on those politicians we just talked about. So they're going to, to, to be the ones that go. And they're kind of the go-between between the interest groups and the, uh, what you call it, the, uh, the congressmen. All right. So they will try to convince. Congressman, sorry, Mondays are always rough, I'm tired. Uh, they're going to try to convince the congressman, hey, we don't like this bill. We would like for you to kill it. We don't like this part of the bill. We'd like for you to make changes to it. And, you know, congressmen don't have to listen to them. They don't want to be seen as listening to them, but they sometimes do because of the money. All right. Uh, interest groups influence policy. Iron triangles. Remember, this is just the relationship between the interest group, the committee, and the bureaucracy all right i'm not going to go through the whole triangle but that's what that is all right it's just a relationship between those three things interest groups committees and the bureaucratic agencies all right electing a president uh rules of the primaries so you know the primaries differ from from state to state um some of them you know, are a little more restricted. Some of them uh, are less, obviously. <laughs> I'm not even sure why I just said that. Um, but uh, anyways, you know, some of them are winner take all. Some of them are, are not. Some of them are going to get more. Uh, or, I mean, some of them are proportional. I needed to be specific there. I'm sorry. Uh, the, the closed versus the open primaries. So closed primary is where you have to be a part of that party 
to vote. So you know, there's not going to be a Democratic primary in 2024. So Democrats will be out of luck when it comes to closed primaries. Open primaries, you can be either one. You can be Republican, Democrat, and go vote in the Democrat. You can be Republican, Democrat, go vote in the Republican. It's up to the state. So it's a state to state thing. Okay. The fear and the reason they have closed primaries is the fear is that if you have an open primary, the other side is going to come in and vote for the worst possible candidate. Okay. So, uh, you know, for 2024, if there's no Democratic primary, the Republicans are fearful that Democrats will come and vote in the Republican primary and they'll vote for that Chris Daniels guy because he's the worst potential candidate that's out there. All right. Uh, hopefully that makes sense to you. All right, the caucuses we went over in class, Mike spent a great deal of time. Most states have primaries where you just go, you get your card, you put in the computer system, punch some buttons, you're done. The caucus, this is where you're going to go. You're going to sit around, listen to people give speeches about their candidates, and you're going to go sit with those groups, and then that's how you vote. All right, like I said, I would not do this uh, if, 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 if Georgia had it. Iowa is the biggest one. Superdelegates, remember we said is not in our college board standards. It's something that's in the Georgia standards. So that's why we go over it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, that is going to be um, a Democrat thing only. And it's to bring some legitimacy to the process. They are not beholden like a normal delegate. They are former politicians and they can vote for whoever they want to at the national convention. They do not have to vote for um, the, the candidates that win the most votes in the states. And I referenced 2016, Hillary Clinton versus uh, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders was winning states and he was getting delegates, but the superdelegates were saying they were going to vote for Hillary. So he wasn't winning states. So that he was a little upset in this, his, his, uh, his team. All right, congressional elections, uh, incumbent advantage. Remember the incumbents, those are the people that are in office. All right, so everybody that's sitting up in Congress right now on the House side is an incumbent going into 2022. There'll be some people that won't run and things like that, but for the most part, uh, a lot of them will. And the incumbents, they have all kinds of advantage. They can credit claim. All right, I mean, they can point to a record. They can say, I did this, I voted here, I did that. So uh, that's a big deal, okay? Uh, name recognition is another thing. They have over a challenger, you know, people don't recognize the challenger's name. But they go to the poll and like, ah, I didn't do any research, but I recognize this person's name. Let me vote for them. All right. Uh, social media effects on campaigns. Remember, we talked about this, how it's being used by people more and more now as a direct message to the people. It gets around some of those linkage institutions like political parties, like the media. And you can talk directly to your base. All right. Campaign finance, political action committees. Remember, don't get freaked out about political action committees. These are just a way around the limitations that were placed on individuals, businesses, interest groups, all right, uh, and the money you can donate. So I've maxed out my limit, but I have more money than I want to donate. So I find a political action committee that is going to be donated to the candidate that I like. So I give more money to them, and then they get money. And now they've been limited, and so then they found 527s, remember. They ran those issue ads. We watched some of those on Friday the 26th where they can't advocate okay they can only say hey this is what this person does and some of them are nice some of them are not okay uh soft money versus hard money soft money is that money that is not regulated hard money is the money that is regulated hard money is given directly to a candidate okay it has to be recorded and tracked and all that kind of good stuff soft money you can give as much as you want to, to the party 
Citizens United versus FEC, please pay special attention to this. I know it's late in the podcast. We've been going for a long time now. I've gone longer than I wanted to. Uh, but this is the required case for this, this unit. So you got to know this one. Okay. Citizens United was an interest group. They were making a movie. They made a movie, actually, about Hillary Clinton, Hillary the movie. It did not make her look very good. Okay. Citizens United had taken money from businesses, from corporations. The FEC came in and said, you can't do that. That violates the McCain-Feingold Act, that uh, Reform Act that you got to know. All righty. So Citizens United is going to challenge that decision. And that's where how it ends up in court, because the FEC was trying to basically stop them from taking money from certain people. So for certain groups, excuse me. So the Citizens United fights it. It goes to the Supreme Court. They're going to rule in favor of Citizens United. They're going to rule in favor of businesses and corporations. And they're going to cite free speech. The money is now tied to free speech in the First Amendment. All right. And so Citizens United was allowed to take the money and businesses and corporations can give money and claim free speech if they get challenged. Last thing, the media, uh, investigative journalism. This is pretty simple. This is just that, um, you know, kind of the watchdog function of, um, of the media. They are going to watch for wrongdoing in the politics. You know, this goes beyond politics, the athletes, uh, actors and actresses and, and those kinds of things. Okay. They're the ones that are digging, looking, making sure everything is on the up and up, keeping us aware of what's going, what's happening. All right. Remember, it's a linkage institution. It's going to link me and you to the, the politicians. Narrowcasting is pretty simple. That's where you are a, a subject only area. Okay. I think CNN and the news, ESPN and sports. Okay. Agenda setting. Uh, this is a big one because the media can dictate to us what's important. If they choose not to cover a story, we don't know that it's that we need to know it. Okay. Uh, when they choose to cover a story, then that's our, our trigger. Hey, we need to we need to pay attention to this. So they really get to dictate and decide what is of national concern and what is not. If they're not running stories about it, people probably don't know about it. Okay. The watchdog function we just talked about with investigative journalism. Equal time and the right of reply, last two things there. These are both handled by the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. Uh, and the FEC probably is a little bit there, Federal Election Commission. The equal time, this just means that you have, as a station, I'm drawing, sorry, I'm drawing a blank there for a second, okay? Uh, a station cannot sell to one party, so they can't say, okay, Democrats, you can have time. Republicans, we're not going to sell to you, or vice versa, okay? So you have to, if you sell to one party, you got to sell to the other. You can't play favorites. And then finally is the right of reply. The right of reply is if you are attacked on TV, all right, uh, or any any of the media outlets, okay, uh, radio, whatever it might be, if you get attacked by your opponent, then you have the right to request, hey, I want to come on your show as well, all right. So if you're on WSB radio, uh, on one of those shows, uh, one of those talk shows, and you get attacked by, they had the the Republican candidate on, you get attacked as a Democrat, you have the right to request, hey, I want to come on too. Okay, that's all that is. All right, guys, that is that. I went longer than I wanted to. If you listened to the whole thing, congratulations to you. You win no prizes. But anyways, uh, thanks for listening. Um, so the test, take it, you know, only class at some point during that Tuesday. Uh, I will put an NTI in on Wednesday morning, so you can have all day to get it done. Remember, it's going to be uh, randomized, so you might not see a question on third parties. All right, you might not see a question on iron triangles. 
uh, because it is going to randomly pick. Guys, best of luck on Wednesday. We will do a makeup day. So if you have to do some makeup work, uh, we will do that. No new material on Thursday. We'll review for your midterm. And then on Friday, we will take your midterm. Guys, I hope everything's going well. Uh, we're two and a half months out. Be taking care of your business so you can graduate on time and all that kind of good stuff. If I can do anything for you, please contact me. I'm here to help you. All right, guys, take care. Bye-bye.